The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Thanks for tuning in for another great episode of Live with Squacky. Here's part two of my interview with Liz Dineshnera. Enjoy! Oh, and don't forget to register for Mini Mavo 2020. It's our online conference coming up on November 6th through 8th. We hope to see you there. Visit www.midatlanticvo.com for all the details and to register today. Merci. Thank you so much. This is great. This is so exciting. Of course. I'm so excited to have you on the show. What are some marketing strategies that you've used that have worked really well for you? There are a couple of things that have worked very well for me. One is referrals from fellow voice talent. I get referrals from talent all the time. And if they hear of somebody who wants a telephony project or somebody who wants, uh, you know, to speak, you know, a French project, I am getting referrals from fellow talent all the time. The other thing that works really well for me is in-person networking events, which I do really well face-to-face with people. The other thing is I've gotten involved in organizations, like I think I mentioned before, World Voices Organization. I'm also part of an organization called Cinetech Media Professionals, uh, which is based in New Jersey, where I lived for several years. You get involved in the VO community. I'm on several Facebook groups and sort of answer questions, you know, keep a dialogue going. Basically, being around, you know, answering questions, being available for somebody that needs help. I can't tell you how many times I'll get a, an email from somebody who's doing, I have some audiobook narrators who who's like, hey, I've got some French sentences here that I have to say in my book. Can you record some of these for me just so that I know what I'm going to supposed to sound like? And absolutely. And I do that all the time. And it's just for me being able to give back and being able to help. And that has helped in my marketing because people come to me. So that's sort of the easiest thing for me. I interact with people on Facebook. If I get emails from people that are looking to get into the business, you know, you get a lot of those. I have a document that I set up and I'll email them back. And just being of service actually has helped my business. And I just do that organically. I know I should be doing more. (laughs) And I have friends of mine that tell me I should be doing more. But uh, I do what I can. No, I absolutely agree with you, though, because it's a lot of that is the same for me. Referrals are huge. Probably 60 to 70 percent of my work is Mm -hmm. referrals from people, whether it's in French or English. And that's a lot. That's a big percentage. It is. You know, because it's like, oh, because my voice is very particular. So Mm -hmm. that's probably. It goes back to the it's who you know. (laughs) Yeah. What we were talking about before. It's the relationships that you build. Yeah. That's what it's about. Definitely. Those are really good strategies. What do you like to do in your spare time? I love reading, reading like mysteries and historical fiction. I'll get immersed in a good book or a series. And I love to take walks along the reservoir that's near my house, uh, the Ashokan Reservoir, which is in the Catskills. And it's just beautiful. And those things, I'm much more passive in my spare time. than active. Um, In the winter, I used to love to ski, and I haven't skied in the last few years, which I want to get back to this year, you know, unless climate change decides to just melt all the mountains. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) if I have any spare time, it's more I turn it into sort of downtime as opposed to doing something active, because I'm always going and I'm always doing, you know, whether it's in my business or doing stuff here at the house or getting stuff done. If if I have any spare time, it's more like, okay, I'm just going to chill a little bit. 
And mm-hmm. about the skiing, like I said, I grew up in upstate New York, so we had like ski club in high school. We'd go skiing yep. every week and stuff like that. And I haven't skied in years, and I miss that so much because in it, Virginia, they don't even have any mountains. So it's like, forget it, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do, but not ones I want to ski on. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I love to ask this because I'm so curious. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? <laughs> That's a great question. Okay, actually, I do know. To travel from one place to another instantly. Like, I could have breakfast at home, lunch in Vienna, dinner in Paris, and be back at home for a nice, relaxing glass of wine before bed. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. That is, because to be able to be in Paris in, like, four hours, like, oh, my God, that would be so amazing. I think that would be, if I had a superpower, it would be to travel from one place to another instantly, to be able to decide I wanted to be in Paris this afternoon and be there. That would be just amazing. You know, go to L.A. for an audition or, you know. (laughs) Right. I think that would be awesome. I would love that. Then they couldn't say to me, you have to be in L.A. I'll be like, what do you mean? I am in L.A. Here I am. Poof. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You have an audition. You must be in L.A. for an audition. Not a problem. I can be there. (laughs) I could be there in five seconds. Hold on. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's a great one. I love that. I'm stealing that. E-learning is a thriving genre of voiceover. Some people don't want to get into it because they think it might be, well, a little bit dull at times. But the fact is, there's a lot of e-learning work out there, and it would be great if some talented voice actors, rather than in-house employees, were doing this, right? Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what e-learning is like and why you enjoy doing it? I love it. E-learning is one of the things, just like in telephony, actually, is generally what you're working on is modules that are going to be put together and that are going to be added to. Hopefully, if the client comes back to you, they're going to be added to. So you want to sound consistent. That's something that's pretty important in e-learning is you don't want to sound vastly different from module one to module 10. It's also, you know, more long form. I've had e-learning modules that are 10 minutes long, and I've had e-learning modules that are two hours long. So you need to be able to sound consistent throughout that. There's also something different for e-learning is generally they're going to ask you to split up files into different audio files because they place those files in their modules, what they're doing PowerPoints or whatever they're doing. So you need to be able to do that. There's a workflow that you need to set up. I actually learn stuff. I mean, sometimes, you know, you do an e-learning and it's set it and forget it. You come out of the booth and you edit it and you send it to the client and you're done. And it's like, what did I just read? I had a really funny one. It was for salespeople that were selling and how to sell hydraulic cement. Now, I had no idea what hydraulic cement was. Again, people would think this was boring, but I was sitting there reading this. I'm like, oh my God, this is this powder that you mix with water and then you can actually set it underwater like it'll seal even underwater and this was an amazing thing because I had some stuff that needed to get sealed in my basement (laughs) I was like oh my god I did this e-learning I literally went to the hardware store I'm like do you sell hydraulic cement and they're like yeah it's back of aisle three that was just a fun thing that I actually learned something when I did the e-learning What's interesting with e-learning that you also have to keep in mind is that when you're dealing with e-learning, you are often not dealing with, for lack of a better word, what we call in voiceover the creatives, the production high-end advertising agencies or the studio owners or the production people that, you know, do the whiz-bang stuff. Mm -hmm. Most of these people are what we call instructional designers. They are educators, And they are teaching people about certain things, whether it's cybersecurity or community health. They are 
part of either the sometimes the marketing department, but very often HR. So you're not dealing with people that want a lot of extra. What they want is they want your, your voice to be clear. They want you to not put the people that are listening to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have to be engaging and you have to not sound monotone and you have to be clear and you have to sound like you know what you're talking about. And so if you're doing medical e-learning, you know, a lot of that comes into the big words and the medications and the body parts and, you know, all of those things. And when it comes to a sales e-learning, it's being excited about the product, but not over the top. You're trying to impart information. So you have to keep that in mind. It really isn't about you. It's about the information that you're imparting. And that's very important to think of when you're doing e-learning. Yeah, and I think probably kind of marketing yourself Mm -hmm. towards things that you're interested in will probably help to book Mm -hmm. e-learning gigs that are suitable for your voice. Like for me, children's e-learning would probably be appropriate or anything in French, you know, for kids. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of stuff that if I've booked e-learning, it's been, you know, children's topics or French e-learning and things like that. So yeah, I think it doesn't have to be boring, guys. It can be exciting. No, it's really not. The other thing is with e-learning, once they find a talent that they like to work with, they will stay with you because they don't want to have to go looking again. Yeah. <laughs> and they also want it to be consistent throughout their modules and throughout right. their, their projects. So it's a big part of my business, and I, I love it. I really do. Yeah. What's the best piece of voiceover advice you've ever been given, and then the worst? So I've worked with a lot of great coaches, and, and they all have—I've learned a ton. One of the best pieces, though, I got from a friend of mine is open your mouth and just let the words fall out. And it was like, What? And, you know, basically it's don't force things. Be of service to the script and just be you. You know, yes, you have to look at the script and yes, you have to, you know, sort of see, think about who your audience is. But ultimately, there's only one you and they hired you because they liked something in you when you auditioned or when you first started working with them. Just open your mouth and be yourself, even if you're doing a character, you know, just don't be forced because that's going to be heard. They're going to hear that right away if you're kind of faking it you know what I mean yeah so that just open you know open your mouth and just let the words fall out it was something that stuck you know just be you talk to the person be relaxed you know don't be hunched with your shoulders up and you know your voice constricted or I don't know that always stuck with me the worst was actually not specifically VO but when I was first starting out And when I first started my business, I had an acquaintance who said to me, oh, don't bother doing that. You know, there's only like five people who get hired to do that stuff. It's too hard to break into, you know, don't waste your time. And, you know, 15 years later, I'm really glad I didn't listen to him. But people are going to call those the dream bashers. And when someone that you like or that you respect says something like that to you is sometimes it's really hard not to believe that so you have to decide pretty much early on whether you're going to let those people bash your desire bash your dream or if you're going to let them do it you know or or you're going to not let them do it so that was one of the things also that stuck in my head and every once in a while you know every year when I celebrate another year of business I'm like see (laughs) didn't listen glad I didn't listen (laughs) (laughs) that's really good I mean I know I've definitely had a lot of moments in my career when someone that I look up to and then I respect will say something and I just let it completely break me down for like a full Mm -hmm. day 
And that's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? And then I just talk myself out yeah. of it. I'm like, okay, you got to calm down. Like this yeah. person, their opinion is just one opinion and you have to take it exactly. with a grain of salt and then carry on. And I think it's really yeah, important it's, for it's, people to try not to let that happen. But I had to mm-hmm. learn early on in this industry that there is a lot of rejection and you have to be able to try to <laughs> cope and handle with that because it's not going to stop. But you have hey, to we're all, we're to all unemployed in between jobs. We're right. all unemployed in between in between yeah. jobs. <laughs> you know? We audition, we don't get booked, and it happens every single day. And I don't like this idea of a thick skin because I think a thick skin actually puts a sort of an image of a barrier between you and others, and I, and I don't believe in that. What I do think is you need to develop a certain amount of confidence in your ability. And that's not being stuck up or haughty. And especially as women, it's very hard because as women, I think we're socialized to be, oh, you know, no, it's okay. I'm fine. Or, you know, we're not socialized to sort of stand in our confidence and in our power. And just to say, hey, you know, fine, you didn't like what I did or, you you know, that I didn't get booked in that audition. Fine. Okay, moving on to the next one. And I've got another client that just sent me an e-learning project. Perfect. You know, and it's hard when you're first starting out because you're going to deal with before you start building up those clients, you're not going to have clients. And so getting that first client and that second client and that third client and that fourth client, it'll build up your confidence. But before you get that first client or that second client, it's hard because you're like, oh, now you're going to, quote, make it. You are going to have to believe in yourself enough to keep going. And I think that's the important part. And no one can do that but you. You can't be dependent on other people to believe in you. It's great to have other people believe in you. That's wonderful. And the more people you have around you that believe in you and that support you, awesome. But ultimately, if you don't believe in you, then you're not going to make it. You're just not. Do you have any hidden talents? I drive a stick shift. (laughs) Oh. That is a good talent Um, to have. Yeah, it's a great theft deterrent because fewer and fewer people know how to drive sticks these days. It's also getting harder and harder to find a stick shift car, which is really bad because mine's my car's getting a little older. And I make really good crepes. It's one of the first things I learned as a kid. My mom actually taught me how to make crepes, so I, I, I make awesome crepes. Those are the first two that come to mind. I have my mom's crepe pan, which is really cool. It's one of the things oh. I've kept is her crepe pan, which is like 50 years old, and I still use it. So, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so nice. Like, yeah, mine, yeah. Like the crepe machines I have are really nice. They're like, like I said, they're like the ones they have in France. And I even got like the wooden tool that they use for it to flip it. And <laughs> Yeah, I could never get – I bought one of those ones too, you know, to – but the crepe pans that I have, the crepe pans that have a side onto them, so – yeah, I never got the hang of that wooden one. I just, it's all in the wrist. That's, yeah, there are all so many different methods. <laughs> yeah. Have you been watching any good shows or listening to any good podcasts lately? So, okay, full disclosure, I didn't get Netflix until this year. I didn't get Netflix until like January. But of course, you know, once we got Netflix, it's like, oh, yay. So there's a series that Steve and I really loved. It's called The Repair Shop. It's from the UK. It's literally a repair shop where they fix and bring back to life like people's treasured items, like whether it's a a chair or a table or a stuffed animal or a clock. It's such a lovely show. It's just a feel-good show, and you get the stories of these items that people bring in, and it's just wonderful. I love that. And then, what, oh, I love Travelers. Travelers on Netflix was awesome. I loved that one. And then I'm a huge uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel fan on Prime. 
Oh, love that one. Yeah, yeah I can't so, believe you and, just you know, got Netflix. That's so crazy. Like, I, did. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm so, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but that's it's actually true. I don't know why. I mean, I've had Prime for years, but people were talking about all these things on Netflix. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, fine, I'll get it. Fine. <laughs> Make me get it. No, and I'm happy we did. I mean, we, you know, now we'll watch stuff on Netflix, but uh it's just getting so crazy now with all the, you know, every channel, there's so many. Mm-hmm. You know, now you have to subscribe to CBS and NBC and, you know, all these different extra. And I'm like, I love watching TV. I am not one of those people that said, oh, well, I don't have a TV and I don't watch TV. No, I've had a TV my entire life. I love watching TV. I had enough to watch with Prime and with regular cable. But then everybody was talking about these shows on Netflix. I'm like, okay, I really feel like I'm missing out now. So, So I did. I got it. And I'm happy. It's all good. What are three voiceover goals that you have for yourself to accomplish in 2020, even though 2020 is a little bit crazy? Yes, well, it's halfway. (laughs) Well, actually, one of them I've already accomplished. I got a new piece of equipment for my studio because I've had Source Connect since 2007. But with the equipment that I had for some reason, with and it was, as my friend Mike McGonigal said, it was a driver issue. I couldn't actually run a backup on Source Connect while I was in a session. And so this year, literally, I said, okay, enough. I need to figure out how to do this and how to get it, you know, run a backup. And so I did. I got a new piece of equipment, and now I can run a backup while I'm running Source Connect. And I and I did it last week for the first time. I mean, it's just crazy, you know, these little things that sort of sit in the back of your head. It's like, I really need to get this done. I need to get this done. So I did that. So I'm, I'm actually really proud that I did that. I'm working on reaching out to expand my e-learning client base. That's a yearly goal for me, but I try to get a new e-learning client or a few e-learning new e-learning clients every year. So that's, I'm working on that. We were talking about earlier, just I want to not reconfigure my studio, but kind of move things around in my studio for more ease of trying to figure out how to better my workflow. So that's sort of those three things are in the back of my head. Whether I get them done, I don't know, but I got one out of three done. So I'm, yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Are you reading any good books right now? Yes. So the first one I'm reading, again, given uh, what's going on in the world these days, I'm reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, who is, it's just, it's an amazing book. I split up my reading in two, actually. So in the morning, I read at least 20 minutes of nonfiction every morning. And that would be either a self-help book or, you know, a book like this one Mm -hmm. or um, a business book. So every morning I try to read for 20 minutes. And then at night I have a guilty pleasure book, you know, usually a fiction, a historical fiction. Or So right now what I'm reading is Secrets of a Charmed Life by Susan Meissner. And it takes place in France during World War II and it's about the resistance. For years, all I read was nonfiction. I realized about... I guess about three years ago, that I was only reading stuff for business or self-help or, you know, and I hadn't read anything for sort of the pure pleasure of reading. I had just not done it in years. And uh, so I ended up picking up, a friend of mine had recommended, I picked up the first of the Inspector Gamache books by Louise Penny. Uh, Louise Penny is actually a Canadian author, and she has 13 books that she wrote with this character in it. And so I literally started at the first one and 13 books later, I had sort of rekindled my love of reading. And so now I, I make a point of always sort of having two of those on my nightstand. I start off the day reading either business or nonfiction, and then I end the night with, you know, sort of my guilty pleasure book. That's so, yeah, great. Those, That's are the two, those are the two that I'm working on right now. Yeah. Do you use social media? And if so, which sites and why? So, yes, I do. My go-to, even with all its issues, uh, my go-to is Facebook. 
It's really an immediate platform where you can have these multiple conversations going on at the same time. There's so many different outlooks and you can sort of see and you news spreads really fast. There are different, obviously, voiceover groups. To me, it's it's always there and it's always moving and it's sort of like this worldwide conversation happening at the same time. And that's my go-to. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm there, you know, mostly for business. I'm connected with many of my clients and with other people. I don't use it to its full advantage right now. Go through spurts. I am definitely there. Twitter, eh. <laughs> um, I'm there, but it's uh, Instagram I do like. It's just, you know, the pictures and, and it's also a different way of reaching out to people. So yeah, I do use Instagram. So Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram are sort of my three. If you could go for coffee with a celebrity, who would it be and why? Oh, hands down, Richard Branson. I've read several of his books, and to me, he has built an empire while having fun. His entire life has been built on building these businesses, but having fun while he was doing it. People have asked me that question. That's why I had the answer so readily. <laughs> it's because I've been asked that question before, and it's just a hands-down answer for me. Is He's the one that I would love to just sit down and say, okay, so, you know, how did you do this and, and talk about some logistics, but also how did he keep the fun in it? Because I think what happens is a lot of times we'll get, you know, sort of into a, a routine or it becomes rote and you sort of everything kind of becomes the same, and you want to keep that fun. One of the reasons I'm, I'm so glad to be in this business is it's generally it's fun. I mean, I enjoy what we do and, and I love working with my clients and, you know, the people in the community are great. So I don't want to get into a rut. So with him, I think he's done a really good job of anytime you see him, he just looks like he's having fun. And he's, you know, in the books that he's written, that's sort of been a tenant of his. It's like, yes, I'm building a business and yes, I'm making money. Absolutely. But I want to have fun doing it. And that's just awesome. That sounds like a really good person to chat with. Oh, yeah. I just just think he's fabulous. What are you working on now that you're allowed to talk about? Again, most of my stuff is not the glamorous stuff. I just finished an e-learning module on, um, it was in French, on community health care, community health care workers and COVID-19 and all of that. And um, I'm about to start on one on cybersecurity. And that one's in English. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> and then I do, yeah, you know, exciting. Um, and then I do telephony jobs every day. I'm always recording telephony jobs. Well, that's good. I mean, that you have steady clients and that you're working all the yeah. time, that you're doing really well. And I'm so glad. That's so great. Again, it's not the glamorous stuff that you see. It's not the national commercials. That's not the bulk of my work. I live in a house that's paid off. I live in a beautiful area with someone that I love, doing what I love. I'm good. (laughs) That's so good. I'm so glad. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that's another thing that when you get into this is what is your definition of success? You know, what is it that you want? And do you want to be in an animated Disney movie? If that's your goal, great, go to LA and do it. You know, that's fabulous. If you want to live in New York and do all the stuff that you can do in New York, if that's what you want, great. But I think what people may forget is there's also sort of people like me. You know, I am trying to remember who coined this the first time I heard it, but it's like, I'm a journeyman VO talent. I work every day. I have clients that hire me every day. I live in a place that I love. I live with someone I love and I'm working every day. I am paying my bills. That is success to me. That's my definition of success. I'm doing something that I'm able to support myself and and have a life that I love. And that's success to me. So you need to also figure out 
what success means to you. And it doesn't have to be the glamorous stuff. When I started in VO, people always say, well, the first thing you have to do is you have to get into commercial work. First work that I was doing when I got into VO was telephony work. That is what I started doing because that's what I knew. And so I built my business with telephony clients. And then I went to e-learning clients. You know, and then now, yes, I do some commercial work. Most of my work is that corporate business-to-business type work. And I'm totally fine with it. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, everyone's definition of success is different. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone just needs to, that's a good question for you guys, the audience, to think about. What is Mm -hmm. your definition of success? Think about that Mm -hmm. and write it down and decide Mm -hmm. where you want to see your life go in the future. You know, where, and what are the steps that you're going to take to help you get there? Those are all really important things. So Liz, how can people get in touch with you if they choose? The easiest is my website, which is very easy because no one can actually spell or pronounce my last name. So my website is very easy. It's HireLiz.com, H-I-R-E-L-I-Z.com. And from there, you can get to my Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and all of that stuff. And my phone number and email are on every page of my website. <laughs> I love your so website, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Thank I you. I think I forgot to say that earlier. I, I love you. It just made me want to go to France, actually. I was like, okay. Yeah. It was really interesting because when people think of French, you know, they think of Paris. I actually wanted my website to have that French feel, but I honestly didn't want to have an Eiffel Tower anywhere in sight. Right. I get it. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. because most of my work is not in France, but I wanted to have that French feel. And so I went through... When I say hundreds of pictures, I am not kidding. Yeah. And so there were some that I whittled down, and I realized, well, why should I limit myself to one picture? And so that's why there are different pictures on every website page. And to me, that's what works, and I'm very happy with the way it came out. It does represent me well, represents the feel that I want to impart. I will tell you, it's people like, oh, you know, websites are just quick and easy to put together. I will tell you, and I worked with Celia Siegel on this one. It was not easy for me to get this one together just because there were so many things. One of the things at the beginning was she said, oh, great, you know, we'll put something with a sentence that will start in French and we'll end it in English. And I was like, no, we can't do that. My father will just turn around in his grave because in my family, the tenet was you started a sentence in one language, you ended it in that language. There was no mixing of languages in my house. Yeah. That was pure laziness. <laughs> Honestly, there was a lot of thought that went into this site. And well, so thank you. I appreciate beautiful. that. I loved every page of it and I <clears throat> spent a lot of time on it while I was getting ready to interview you, but it was so pretty. I couldn't go away from it. So everyone yeah. check out Liz's website and I'll put the info thank in you. the show notes. And merci Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I really look forward to hopefully seeing you at future voiceover events. And I really Absolutely. wish you tons of continued success in your voiceover career and merci. everything you do. Merci, c'était vraiment bien. Thanks so much. It was really great. It really was. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live with Squacky. I'm Chloe Kelly, and Squacky is my mom. Be sure to tune in next week for another great episode of Live with Squacky. Oh, and don't forget to buy your mini Mabo tickets. Live with Squacky is mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Yokelson of Antland Productions. Live with Squacky is a unique, interview-style podcast that dives into the worlds of voice acting and entertainment. Thanks for listening. Ah, ah.